to have. Praise God. While people are coming back in, let me just say, I was over with the youth this morning. We had over a hundred youth in there, and I tell you, they're they're really listening, and I believe they got ministered to, so praise God. I believe your young people are going to be excited about the Lord. Be good. I was just over in the UK, and we held a, what we call Grace and Faith Conference over there. We had about 1,500 or so, and we had a youth service, and... Uh, I got over there and they, they did a quiz. And they got to asking me questions. And these were Bible questions, but they were impossible to answer. And every time I failed to answer, I had to do uh, something as punishment. One of them was get up with the guitar and lead praise and worship. And I led, oh, happy day. They had a big time out of that. And then... Uh, Another one, they had me uh, riding piggyback on a guy. Another one, they had me blindfolded and I painted a guy's face with uh, makeup and stuff. And, and another one, they had David Hardesty and me there and we were putting marshmallows in our mouth and trying to quote scriptures. And David won. He cheated because, because he was eating his marshmallows. You weren't supposed to eat them. And I had a whole mouth full of marshmallows trying to talk and he could quote every scripture. And so that wasn't fair. But anyway, it was fun. And we did all of this. And then uh, I got to ministering to him. And I tell you, we had a powerful move of God in the UK. They had uh, one girl there that had already attempted suicide and she had determined that she was going to commit suicide during the week. And she got turned on to the Lord, man, and excited, and she was fired up. And we had uh, people that were just, it was just powerful. And they were asking questions about how do they stand. They were being persecuted because of their faith in the Lord. And it was really powerful. It's one of the few times I really, really, really enjoyed ministering to the youth. Praise God. A few years back, Mike and Carrie, they're the ones that are doing our youth. I'm surprised they've ever asked me back. But they asked me to come in and minister to the youth, and there was about a hundred kids there, and there was about a dozen or so on the back row. And uh, they were wearing all of this, you know, gothic stuff, and they were had their arms folded like this, and they were looking at me, and you could tell they didn't want to be there. And so I just got up and started by saying, I know you don't want to be here. Your parents drug you and you don't want to hear me. And I said, I don't want to talk to you. I said, I hate ministering to you. <laughs> Boy, they all just looked at me like this. and I said, I hate ministering to you because you guys don't love God. You're here checking out the girls, checking out the boys. And you're here because your parents made you come. I said, I hate talking to you because you don't seek God. And I just got on their case. And then... And then I ministered to them. And did you know that there was one girl who had made her so mad, she said, I'm going to seek God just to prove Him wrong. And she's now in our Bible college, amen. She's part of our Bible college. Too. So I repented of that bad attitude, but it did work, praise God. It, it, it worked out. But this group over here, it's really good, man. They were all worshiping the Lord, and I, every single one of them was listening to me this morning. So that's really, really good. Really good. I love youth. I just love youth that are seeking God. I, like, I don't like carnality. I don't care if it's in adults or youth. Amen. I'm not here to entertain people. Praise God. 
So we're going to give you another opportunity to give this morning. There may be some people here that have that weren't here last night and stuff, and we're going to receive an offering. There's a lot of expenses to this. Even though Caris Christian Center is donating their building, we will bless them. I'm not going to take advantage of anybody, and so we we have expenses. We have a lot of staff. We've got a lot of people doing a lot of things, and uh, we're going to give you an opportunity to just give and be a part of that. Look at this verse in, Ephes- in uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 38. This is a very familiar passage of Scripture. But it says, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall man give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Man, I could preach on this for days. I'm just going to say real quickly, this says that your giving determines your receiving. Most people want to receive big, but they want to give small. That's just amazing. But that is not how it works. It says, the last part of this, for with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. You know, God doesn't evaluate gifts based on dollar amounts or things like that. It's always percentages. That's the reason he said to give 10%. And so a person, if all you have is a dollar, did you know you could give 50 cents? And that would be a huge gift. That is a big measure. And on the other hand, there may be people that are millionaires that they give $1,000 and think that, you know, they've just done something special. And that is a very small measure. God looks at things in percentages. And if you give with a small measure, and I don't believe that this is only limited to what you actually give, but it's the attitude that you give in to. It also says over in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 3, it says if you give all of your goods to feed the poor or if you give your body to be burned and don't do it motivated by love, it profits you nothing. So it's not just the physical gift and what percentage it is, but it's the attitude that it's given in. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8 talks about God loves a cheerful giver. Or maybe that's verse 7. But God loves a cheerful giver. So the attitude that you give with, if you give grudgingly and of necessity, and if it's like pulling teeth to get you to give, then you know that your response, your supply is going to come back that same way. You determine how things go in your life. If you give a small percentage, it doesn't matter what it is compared to somebody else's gift, whether it's small or whether it's large, but the percentage. If you give a very small percentage, God's going to give back to you using the same measure that you used. You know, that's like somebody that uses a little tiny eyedropper to give, but then wants a dump truck to come up and give them all of this stuff. God's going to use the same thing you used to give to give back to you. You determine your blessing. I know some of you don't agree with that and you think, oh, it can't be that way. That's exactly what this verse is saying. And there's many other verses that go along with this same thing. You determine how blessed you are. And your giving is where it begins. It's not limited to giving. You also have to be a good steward. There's things that you need to learn. But your giving is absolutely essential. And if you want God's best then you need to give your best. You know, David, when he went to offer a sacrifice, there was this angel that was going to destroy Jerusalem, and he saw this angel. The Lord opened up his eyes, 
And he went to offer a sacrifice. And the man who owned this threshing floor, he also saw this angel. And he was on his face when David got there. And David said, I want to buy this threshing floor and offer a sacrifice. That turned out to be the place that they built the temple in Jerusalem. And the man who owned the threshing floor said, No, I'm going to give it to you. Just take it. And he gave David everything he had, his threshing floor, his oxen to be for an offering and everything. But you know, David came back and he said, No, I'm going to pay you for it because I will not offer unto God that which has cost me nothing. In other words, he says, Man, I am not going to give something to God that isn't a sacrifice on my part. And there's a lot of people that they just give what they can spare so that if the Word of God doesn't work, and if God doesn't give it back to you, good measure, press down, shake it together and run it over, well, then I can spare this. I'm okay without it. You know what? You need to be giving so that it's a sacrifice. So that you need God's Word to work. That's the reason God told us to give. He doesn't need our money. We need to trust Him. And He wants you to give. And He wants you to give in a way that it literally takes faith. You're dependent upon God to return this unto you. And I just want to encourage you in this offering today to give like you would like to receive. God's going to use the measure that you give, the attitude that you give in to give back to you. And that's precisely the reason that some people are struggling. Amen. Because your attitude and your, your measure that you've been using hasn't been good. I encourage you to give and be generous and God will bless you for it. If you got one of those packets when you came in, there's an offering envelope in there that you can use. But if you need an offering envelope, we've got our ushers here. They'll get you an envelope if you'll hold your hand up. This is for cash giving. So if you need an envelope, just hold your hand up until one of our ushers reaches you and gives you an envelope. If you're giving by check, you can make it out to Andrew Womack Ministries or AWM. The information on your check should be sufficient. Praise the Lord. I heard that we had uh, 3,500 people watching online last night and our servers went down. And so I don't know if many of them stuck with us until they got them back up, but hopefully people are coming back tonight. And I don't know what happened. All of that's Greek to me. But hopefully we'll, they'll get all of that fixed. And praise God. It's great to have those that are watching live streaming uh, today. And, you know, I'd like to encourage those of you watching by the Internet, you know, again, you can partake in this and you can be a part of the offerings and things like that. You can go right on our Internet site and give. Father, we love you and we thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for the truths. Father, I pray especially for people that are wanting a dump load full of, of resources, but they're giving with an eyedropper, that you would help them to change the way that they give, that they would give on purpose that they would give generously, that they'd give with the right heart. And Father, I believe that as they do that, we just stand on this verse that when we give, it's going to be given back unto us. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will men give into our bosom. Father, we thank you for that. And I speak that blessing over every person's gift today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. You can receive the offering. Amen. Well, I miss Wendell and most of Daniel. I got in on just the tail end, but I saw him. Or I saw Gary ask about how many had ever heard a message like this on praise and worship, and nearly every hand went up. 
I've been very encouraged by the way that Daniel is ministering praise and worship in line with the grace of God and what God's already done. You don't hear that very often, so praise God. That is awesome. And I, don't, I assume that they said these things. If it's redundant, please forgive me. But Daniel is now doing a praise and worship school in our third year. Did you share with people about that? So anyway, that's really good. And uh, yesterday we had our director's meeting up in Woodland Park at our lodge up there. And we had Stephen Bransford, who's doing the media school, come up and present that. And I tell you, every director said, I want to sign up for it. It's just awesome. Barry Bennett right here runs our third year program. And Barry's going to be ministering what day? Thursday, Barry is ministering. You've got to come hear Barry Bennett. Man, he's a hit. People love Barry Bennett. I've had lots of people say, you used to be my favorite minister, but now Barry's my favorite. I think that's awesome. Amen? Because I asked him to come on staff, so I get credit for it. Amen. So I just think that's awesome. We've got a tremendous teaching staff. I didn't hear Wendell either, but I've heard Wendell hundreds of times, and he's always a blessing. So Wendell, Wendell is just great. People love his teaching on the Holy Spirit. Everywhere I go, everybody loves Wendell, and I tell them, just wait until you get to know him. <laughs> he gets better the more you know him. Amen. He's a blessing. I tell you, God's doing great things. Wendell is actually having to go to Uganda. Uh, we've got a kind of a crisis in Uganda, so Wendell is leaving Wednesday night. He's scheduled to minister again, what, but you were going to have some kind of a world outreach thing on Thursday, and uh, we're going to have to cover for him, but appreciate him being available to do that and to take off and go to Uganda and take care of those things for us. But God's doing some awesome things in this ministry. I shared with our directors that a number of years ago, I was just sitting down and thinking about all God is doing. And the Lord gave me this little picture in my mind of Jamie and me pushing this huge boulder uphill. And it was like, it was so much effort and we were just barely moving. And if we would have stopped for a second to take a breath, that thing would have rolled back on us and smushed us. And that's the way that we were for about 20 years. It was like, just every day, oh God, we need a miracle. And we just stood and believed God and it was hard. And then the Lord showed me it was like we reached the top of the hill and it was flat. And it was relatively easy. And when I started on television, that's, everything just totally changed when I started on television. And people began to respond and our finances began to work. And it was relatively easy for a while. And then the Lord showed me that we were now on the down side, hill side of that and now the stone was rolling so fast, I was having to run with everything I had to keep up with it. And that's, that's really descriptive of where we are in the ministry. It just seemed like it was a struggle for years, and then we begin to start seeing people's lives change with relatively ease. And now God has brought all of these awesome people to us that are doing so many things. And I mean, Jamie and I are just having to... It's, it's like, how in the world can we keep up with everything that God's doing? He's opened up so many doors, so... I'm excited about what God's doing. Glad that you're a part of it. Let's turn over to Ephesians chapter 1. And in these morning sessions, I'm going to share with you, this is a very simple truth, but it's kind of a summary of a lot of things that I teach. And I have a teaching out there entitled, You've Already Got It, So Quit Trying to Get It. It's got a picture of a dog chasing his tail. 
And basically, that's the, those are the things that I'll be sharing along these lines. It'll be different. I always teach it differently, but if you'd like more information on this, that would be the teaching that would cover this. But these things right here are things that the Lord used to change my life. And let me just say that if you haven't heard my teaching on spirit, soul, and body, I would really encourage you to get that because, again, that's the foundation of everything that I teach. And because I saw that when you get born again, you're changed in the spirit and you become a new person in the spirit. And in the spirit, you're complete. You're already full grown. You're as perfect in your spirit as you will be throughout eternity. And the rest of the Christian life isn't trying to get God to do something for you, but it's drawing out of you what God has already completed in your spirit. Your three parts. And if you get your mind over here in agreement with your spirit, then that's two against one, and your body will just respond. You'll automatically see the blessing of God manifest in your emotions, in your finances, in your health. It's really that simple. It's not easy. One of the hardest things you'll ever do is get to where you're going by who you are in the Spirit and walking by faith and basing your life on what the Word says instead of what you feel and what people tell you. It's one of the hardest things you'll ever do, but it's as simple as what I've just described. And one of the things that came out of that is just this understanding that I've already got it. I've already got everything. People are asking God to heal them when the Bible says in 1 Peter 2.24, by His stripes you were healed. If you were healed, why do you have to ask God to heal you? Because you don't believe you were healed. If you believe you were healed, you wouldn't be asking God to heal you. It's quiet in this Presbyterian church. And see, people are saying, but I've got a doctor's report to prove that I'm not healed. I had one woman come up to me. I'm not trying to... Uh, nobody knows who I'm talking about but this one woman, so I'm not... Against you, I'm not trying to say anything, but they said, you prayed for me last year and nothing's happened. No manifestation. And they were asking for me to pray again. But see, that's not true. A lot has happened. It just hadn't happened in your physical body yet. And people are thinking, but what else is there? That's because you don't understand spirit, soul, and body. In the spirit, you have the same power that raised Christ from the dead. You don't need God to heal you. What you need to do is get what God placed in your spirit out through your mind into your physical body. And yet the average person is sitting there and saying, Oh God, touch me, not understanding that you're already touched. You are touched, amen. That's the problem. God's already done everything. You've already, the Bible says Galatians 5, 22 and 23, that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Those things are already in your spirit. When you're saying, oh God, I'm so sad. God, would you please touch me? You've solved the problem. Some of you are saying, how does that solve the problem? Because your spirit is rejoicing. Your spirit has love, joy, and peace. If you're saying, I'm so sad, you have identified the problem. You aren't in the spirit. You aren't basing your life on what you have in the spirit. You're going by how you feel. And that's the problem. The truth is, the whole time you're depressed and discouraged and just, you know, everything's falling apart. Your spirit, man, is always rejoicing. It is always full of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. 
When you feel like you're wanting to punch this person's lights out, did you know that your heart, your spirit man, is loving them? You have God's unspeakable love. And somebody say, I do not, I don't feel it. Well, see, that goes back again to this teaching on spirit, soul, and body. That spirit is spirit, flesh is flesh. You can't feel the spirit. Now, that's going to bother some of you because you all of the time say, oh, we feel the spirit. I'm not going to get off and teach on all of this. I'm just saying this as introduction. But you can't feel the spirit. You can perceive by faith, and faith is tangible. And there is an anointing of God that is tangible, but spirit is spirit and flesh is flesh. You can't feel the love of God just in some physical, natural, carnal way. You have to perceive it by faith. You have to take what the Word of God says. But the truth is, see, if you understood that you always have joy in your heart, then I don't care when you feel like crying. You could just by faith start releasing what you have. And it is so much easier to release something that you believe that you have than it is to get God to do something for you that He hasn't done. Especially when the Word of God says, by His stripes you were healed. And you say, oh God, I know that the Word says that, but I'm not. This is what you say, but I say I'm not healed. I got a doctor's report to prove that I'm not healed. I've got pain to prove that I'm not here. All that proves is you hadn't got it in your physical body yet, but you do have the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead living on the inside of you. And instead of starting in opposition to what God says, you ought to agree with God. And you ought to pray something like, Father, thank you that I do have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwelling on the inside of me. I've got it. I've already got it. I'm not trying to get it. I've already got it. Now I just take my authority and I command what is true in my spirit man to come through my soul and dominate this physical body. Dominate my emotions. Dominate my physical body. Dominate my bank account. That's so much different than the attitude that most people take where they are begging God to do something. So look here in Ephesians and let me just teach this to you. Uh, Paul wrote the book of Ephesians and Paul wrote this entire book of Galatians from the perspective that I just described. Some people struggle with the book of Ephesians because it seems like, man, I just don't understand this. It doesn't match my experience. That's because you're walking in the flesh. You're going by what you feel instead of by who you are in Christ. This whole book of Ephesians is written from the standpoint of being in Christ Jesus and what you have in your spirit man. And if you don't understand that, then you won't understand the book of Ephesians. But this, there are radical things said in here. For instance, chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you in peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. You know, the wording here in the King James is a little awkward. Sometimes I've had people say, well, this is talking about that it's in a spiritual realm. It's in heaven. It's in heavenly places, but it's not a reality here on this earth. This is just an awkward way of saying it. If you look this up in the NIV and the Amplified and stuff, it says, one of those, I forget which one right now, says, He's blessed us with all earthly and spiritual blessings. 
This is just a way of saying that God has already blessed you with everything. You've already got it. People say, oh man, I need God to come through and I need a house payment. God's already blessed you with the same power that He used to provide all of these miracles. It's already on the inside of you. It says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He that gives you power to get wealth, that He may establish His covenant as He swore unto your fathers. God doesn't give you money. God gave you the power to get money. That's important. People are just all the time praying and saying, Oh God, please, I need some money. And you just pray and then you wait on, a, on the money to fall out of the sky or just something to happen and you're just waiting on something to happen. God doesn't give you money. He gave you power to get wealth. He gave you an anointing. In your born-again spirit, you have the Creator, God, living on the inside of you, and He gave you His power that He used to create everything. You have creative power. And you, He gave you promises that you set your hand unto anything and it shall prosper. And yet there's many people that just sit there and ask for God to come through, and I'm just waiting on God. No, you aren't. You, God's not the one who's late. You aren't waiting on God. God gave you power. And what you need to do is get up and set your hand under something. Pray for creative ideas. Go do something. And believe for it to prosper. Some people will think, well, I'm not, I wouldn't be dependent upon God. I'm just doing it myself. No, you, you are doing things, but you're expecting a supernatural blessing on it. It will come back to you. It's like the disciples in the fifth chapter of the book of Luke. They fished all night long on their own and caught nothing. But then Jesus came and said, let down your nets again. And they said, Master, we've been fishing all night long. There aren't any fish in this lake. Amen. We can't catch anything. And they said, nevertheless, at your word, we will let down the net. You ought to go study that in Luke chapter 5. He said, let down your nets, plural. And they said, we'll let down one net. They didn't expect much, so they didn't do much. And you know what? They were overwhelmed. Their net broke and part of the catch was lost because they didn't obey what he told them to do. Man, you've got to think big. They did the exact same thing they'd been doing all night, but when you do it at the command of the Lord, you get supernatural results. I had a guy one time that uh, he was starving, and I gave him money and helped keep him alive. He was a member of our church, but he just wouldn't work. He'd been a Baptist pastor. He received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He left his church. He moved over to where I was in Childress, Texas, and he was living with some other people in kind of a communal situation, and they were just praying and studying the Word all day, but they were hungry, and they weren't eating, and things weren't going good, and I gave him some money to help keep him going. And finally, I got to telling him some of these exact same things I'm saying right here. I said, God gave you power to get well. Go do something. He said he had blessed what you set your hand unto. A hundred times zero is zero. Do something. A hundred times one is a hundred. I said, do something. And he says, well, back before I got turned on to the Lord, he, he uh, fixed cars, dents and things like this and upholstery and stuff. And he said, anytime I needed money... I would just, I had cards printed up 
and I'd walk downtown and I'd see cars that had a, a broken windshield or a dent and I, I'd make an estimate and maybe it was $300 to repair the car and he says, this is what a normal repair is, $300, but you know, I need the money. If you will uh, do it today or this week, I'll do it for half price. And he'd just write that on his card, stick it under their windshield wiper, and he says, by the end of the day, I'd have enough work to last me for a month. He says, that's what I used to do all the time when I was in the world. I said, why don't you do it now? And he says, well, because that wouldn't be depending upon God. He says, that would be trusting my flesh. And I said, you know what? You need to go do this. And I made the guy go print up some cards, and sure enough, he stuck them under there, and he had supernatural results. He had better results than he ever got when he was just doing it on his own. But you've got to do something. God gives you power to get wealth. And yet the average Christian is just sitting here and instead of taking charge and using their authority and commanding their body to be well and fighting the devil and resisting and doing the things that the Word says, they're just sitting there watching as the stomach turns on the television and waiting on God. And can't understand why they aren't well. God's already done His part. By His stripes you were healed. Now you've got to believe that you're already blessed with all spiritual blessings. God's already given you everything. And if you don't see what God's Word says that He's given you, it's not because God didn't give it. It's because you haven't released it and drawn it out. But this changes your entire attitude. It changes your whole approach towards everything. We are not in the process of just waiting on God to do things. God has already accomplished everything He's ever going to accomplish through Jesus. Let me make a statement that will offend some of you, shock some of you, depress some of you at first, but if you'll listen you'll, and get it, it'll help you. God's through healing people. He's through saving people. God doesn't bless people today. He's already done that through Jesus. 2,000 years ago. And what happens is, if you will confess Jesus as your Lord, it's not Jesus who all of a sudden comes, rises up and comes and hangs on the cross and dies for you and forgives your sin. He's already done it. When you confess Jesus as your Lord, you just receive what was already provided 2,000 years ago for you. Your sins were already forgiven, but the moment you put faith in it, then it becomes a reality in your life and you receive it. But God doesn't save people today. He saved everyone who would ever be saved 2,000 years ago. People receive salvation today. People receive healings today. People receive joy and peace today. But the truth is, He's already done it. You've already been blessed. When you got born again, in your spirit, you were given everything that God has. In your spirit, you are complete in Christ. Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. You're complete in Him. 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. As Jesus is, not as Jesus is going to be or something, but as Jesus is right this minute, so are you in this world. It didn't say you were going to be that way when we all get to heaven. You are identical to Jesus right now. 1 Corinthians 6.17 He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. That word means a singular one. Identical. You're identical to Jesus. People go look in the mirror and say, This is identical to Jesus. It's not your body. And it's not your mind. But in your spirit. 
You are identical to Jesus. You've got everything that Jesus has. You are as blessed as Jesus is. You have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16 says you have the mind of Christ. Colossians 3.10 says, And put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that has created him. With your mind, you may not be able to remember where your glasses are. But with your spirit, you know all things. 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, You have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. Not some things, all things. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, the whole Christian life is meant to be lived from who you are in the Spirit. What happened to you at the new birth? And yet most Christians don't know what they have, and they spend their entire Christian life asking God to bless them when the Bible says you're already blessed. Oh, God, heal me. By His stripes you were healed. Oh, God, give me money. I've already given you the power to get wealth. I'll bless whatever you set your hand unto. And anything you're asking for, you've already got it. You don't need God to give you something. You need to renew your mind and find out what you've got and start believing and release what God has put on the inside of you. Man, that's huge. That's huge. Most of the body of Christ believes God can do anything, but that He has done nothing. And so they are in a process of trying to get God to do something. I'm telling you, God anticipated your every need, and before you even had the need, He created the supply. And on the inside of you, when you got born again, He gave you everything you will ever need. There is never a situation that will come your way that you don't already have the power and the anointing of God to be able to deal with that and solve that problem. It's not out there somewhere. It's in here. Lack of understanding this is why people come up with all the weird doctrines about how that we've got demons blocking our prayers, getting up to God, and so we've got to get people together and we've got to create a hole in the atmosphere so our prayers can get up to God. I know some of you are laughing. Hopefully you hadn't heard that. But did you know that ten years ago in the body of Christ, spiritual warfare conferences were the biggest things going. They were drawing more people than anybody else. And this was the whole thing, that there are demons over an area that control things and our prayers can't get through to God. And we've got to have a clear heaven. Have any of you heard all of this teaching? And you've got to get rid of the demons. And somebody's saying, oh, now wait a minute. Daniel chapter 9 and chapter 10. It does say that the prince of Persia withstood Daniel's prayers for 21 days and there was a demonic opposition. And I agree with all of that. But that was an old covenant man who Jesus hadn't come down and hadn't provided these things. Heaven hadn't moved on the inside of you. And so you had to get your prayers through these demonic oppositions to heaven. But now... God lives on the inside of you. That's the reason you bow your head when you pray, so you can look at God. You say, Father, amen. People will say things like, that prayer didn't get above the ceiling. You don't need your prayers to get above your nose. God lives right here. This whole concept of I've got to do spiritual warfare is people that don't have a good relationship with God. They aren't walking in the Spirit. They think that God hasn't done anything until it, the doctors can prove it, until the bank account reflects it. They don't know what's going on in the Spirit. 
Most people are only evaluating things in the natural. They can count how many heads are in this room and tell you how many people are in this room, but they don't have a clue about the angels of God and the Spirit of God and the awesome power of God. They just are operating by carnal things. Most people can tell you what they look like, whether they're tall or short, whether they're fat or skinny, whether they're male or female. They can tell you things. They can describe themselves to you, but most Christians couldn't give you a clue of who they are in the Spirit. They're operating in the physical realm, and because they don't feel it, well, I don't care what the Bible says. The Bible says I'm healed, but I'm telling you I'm sick. That's because you're carnal. Amen. If you can't say amen, say oh me. I know some of you, uh, this isn't blessing you, but I'm trying to help you. I'm telling you, in the Spirit, you've already got it. And we spend so much time looking at what we don't have in the natural and what I don't feel, and God, my bank account isn't full, and I've got... The, and we think that that's reality. I'm telling you, if you think only what you can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel is reality, you're only playing with half a deck. There is a spiritual world that exists, and I am saying that you've already got it. In the Spirit, you are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This terminology, in Christ Jesus, is referring to who you are in the Spirit. The born-again part of you. And in the Spirit, every one of you is awesome. In the Spirit, every one of you is identical to Jesus. As Jesus is, so are you in this world. You have His anointing, His wisdom, His faith, His power. His ability to flow in the gifts of the Spirit. You've already got healing for everything. You've already got everything. Anything you need is in there. It's like Prego spaghetti sauce. Do you ever see those commercials? Somebody say, but I want basil. And it says, it's in there. But I'd like oregano. That's in there. It's all in there. In your spirit, whatever you need, it's in there. You've already got it. Anything you need today, you've got it. Did you know if you really understood that, I can guarantee you it would be impossible for you to be depressed? I meet people all the time saying, but oh, I'm so depressed, would you pray, pray for me? And I say, my emotions just don't work. Your emotions work perfectly. You know what? If you focus on what you don't have, if you are carnal and only looking in the physical realm, you should be depressed. If you're in the natural and aren't depressed, you aren't paying attention. I guarantee you, just in the natural realm, there's a lot of problems going on. There's a lot of things bad. There's lots of reasons to be depressed. Your emotions follow what you think on. And if you're depressed, it's because you are looking in the physical, natural realm. You're evaluating things only based on the physical. You aren't thinking spiritually. You aren't seeing who you are in Christ. If you see who you are in Christ and that you're blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, and if you see all of these things that you have, it's impossible to be depressed thinking about all that God has done for you and who you are. It's incompatible. Somebody says, but I'm, I'm hungry and I need this. Well, you can either look at your physical things or if worse comes to worse, I believe God wants to bless us in this physical life and see those things manifest. But if nothing ever happened and if you died, 
in heaven. You're going to be provided in such luxury. You're going to live in a mansion. You're going to have streets that are paved with pure gold. So even if you weren't seeing physical manifestation of your things right now, you could just start thinking about heaven and you could rejoice thinking, Father, it's only temporary. If you were thinking spiritually, again, it's God's will for you to be well. But if you weren't well, if the doctor told you you were going to die, I believe God wants us to see that healing here. But if it never happened, you're going to go to heaven where you'll never be sick. You'll have no more sorrow. You'll have no more pain. And if you were thinking about that, you know, we sing this song about when we all get to heaven. What a day that's going to be. And then the doctor tells you you're going there and you cry. That makes you think it was kind of just religious, amen. It wasn't real from your heart. If you were thinking like Paul where he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is even better. I'm having a struggle because I want to go to heaven so much, but it's more needful for me to stay here for you, so I'm going to stay. If you had that right attitude and if you were thinking scripturally, when the doctor tells you you're going to die, it would be just like all you could do to keep, up, keep from reaching up and kissing him. Awesome! Man, for me to die is Christ. That's awesome. It's gain. See, that's spiritually minded. So I'm not denying that we have problems, but I'm saying if you evaluated your problems, not only looking at the physical and looking at the doctor's report and the banker's report and all of these kind of things, but if you looked at God's report and what He's promised you, what you have in Christ is so much greater than any problem that you could ever have come against you that it's not even worthy to compare. That's what it says in Romans eight seventeen. It's either 17 or 18. The sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. It didn't say the glory that shall be revealed to us, but the glory that shall be revealed in us. We sing these songs when we all get to heaven and we think that God is just going to somehow or another give us something and we will be so awesome when we get to heaven. Did you know that your spirit is right this moment identical to the way it will be throughout eternity? Your spirit's not going to be improved. It's not going to be given another dose of the Holy Ghost. It's not going to be matured. You don't have a baby spirit on the inside of you and then in heaven you'll have a full spirit. Your spirit is full grown. It's not the spirit part of you that's growing. It's the carnal part of you, your mind that is growing and being renewed. But in the spirit, you're identical to Jesus. You're as full grown as Jesus. As much faith, joy, peace, and anointing as Jesus. Your spirit right now is exactly the way it will be a million years from tonight in eternity. And the rest of the Christian life is renewing your mind to what you've already got. Not trying to get God to give you something new. And if you understood this, it'll solve a lot of problems. It'll keep you away from people who manipulate and control. So much of religion is based on you come and do what I say and then God will give you this. If you understood that God's already given you everything, then you'd quit giving in to these manipulations and controls. You know, I just got through teaching on finances on television. Some of you might have seen that. And it was interesting, our response. Lots of people got mad at me because they just, they have a chip on their shoulder anytime a minister talks about finances. And some of that's well-deserved because ministers have done so many bad things to manipulate. 
and control. But I also begin to expose manipulation. And I taught that you give where you're fed, not where you're begged. And I begin to teach on things like this. And see, there's, there's people that responded to us and told about either themselves or a relative or somebody who at one time gave $1,000 because it was told that if you do this, your relatives will be saved, this will happen. And they gave and they found out it didn't happen and they turned away from God and all of these kind of things. And we heard many stories of people who had been hurt and manipulated by this. See, if you understood that you've already got everything in Christ and you've already got this power and we aren't in the process of begging God to touch people... God loves your relatives more than you love them. God wants them saved more than you want them saved. You don't have to do something to get God motivated to, do, to touch them. I had a woman come to me one time and she says, I've been praying for my husband for 20 years and he's still just as bad as he ever was. My prayers don't work. Maybe if you would pray, God would do something and heal my husband. And you know what I said? I refuse to pray with you under those circumstances. And she just looked at me and I said, Boy, you, first of all, are accusing God that He doesn't love your husband as much as you do. And so you've got to get Him motivated to love your husband and to save him. I said, You started completely wrong right there thinking that God's not going to do anything. God would just let him go to hell if it wasn't for your prayer and intercession. I said, That's a bad attitude. And then to think that somehow or another it's according to our ability and, and maybe I'm closer to God and so I have more pull with God than you do. I said, that's another error. And I just begin to counter this lady's doctrine. And I said, I'm not going to agree with you. That's the reason that you haven't seen anything happen. It's because you're believing wrong. You're doing this all wrong. Quiet in this Presbyterian church. Some of you are thinking, man, that's the way I've been praying. <laughs> See, that's, that's the reason that we can be manipulating people. Say, if you'll send in this $1,000 offering, then God is going to move and do this. You can buy it. That's what the Catholic Church used to do in the Middle Ages with indulgences. They made billions of dollars off of praying people out of purgatory, which doesn't even exist. They manipulated people, and you can get God to do this. You stop charlatans when you start understanding that I've already got it. And just because you've already got it in your spirit, you don't need to be satisfied to keep it there. You need to learn the Word so that you can start drawing it out and experience these blessings in your physical body and in your physical world. And so, yes, there are things we need to learn, but boy, it changes everything when you understand that God has already done His part. He's already placed it. You are blessed with all spiritual blessings. Not some, all. You've already got it. If you don't have it manifest, if you can't see it, put your finger on it, it's not because God didn't give it, it's because you hadn't received it yet. So one of the first steps is quit trying and start trusting. You need to rest in what God has already done instead of fighting to get God to do something. You know, if, if that synthesizer over there is healing and I'm not there yet, I'm sick, but I'm going to be healed, well then there's an element of doubt in that. 
even though that's not a real far distance, there's no guarantee that I can cover that distance. Somebody might come up here and tackle me. I might trip and fall. There could be something that keeps me from getting there. But if here is healing, how can I doubt that I'll get where I already am? I've already got I'm already here. I have zero doubt that I can get here because I'm already here. If you'd quit saying instead, I'm going to be healed, and say, by his stripes I was healed. I have the same power on the inside of me that raised Christ from the dead. Then you'd quit doubting that you would get what you've already got. That changes everything. Isn't that awesome? I'm not making much progress on this, but look down here in the same chapter. He starts praying a prayer in verse 14. And, um, or excuse me, it's verse 15. I'm not going to take time to read this because every word of this is powerful. I have preached on this for hours and hours and hours on the end, and I've got ten minutes left. So let me just skip through some of the highlights. He's praying not that you would get something special, but he's praying rather that God would give unto you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in what you've already got. That you'd see what you've already got. The exceeding greatness of His power towards us. And so here's part of this prayer in verse 18. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of His calling and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. It's not in heaven. It's in you already. He's praying, God, show them the riches of the glory. Some of you think, I don't have any glory on the inside of me. Again, Romans chapter 8, either verse 17 or 18 says, The sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. It's already in you. You have the same glory that Jesus has seated on the throne, living on the inside of you. It's glorious what you have. He's praying that you get your eyes open to the riches of the glory. Man, that's awesome. If you could truly see what you have, it would be impossible for you to be depressed, discouraged, fearful. But most of us, oh, well, maybe I had that at one time, but you don't know I've done something wrong and we think it comes and goes. Who you are in the Spirit is a constant. You're sealed by the Holy Spirit and it never fluctuates. And your sin and failures, they penetrate into your physical body and into your soulish mental realm, but it does not penetrate your spirit. Your spirit is sealed and it remains righteous and truly holy and it's glorious and you have all of this power and glory of God living on the inside of you. He's praying that you get a revelation of it. And then in verse 19, and He wants you to see what is the exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe according to the working of His mighty power which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but also in that which is to come. He's praying, God, show them the power that they have, the exceeding greatness of this power. How much is it? It's the same power that it took to raise Jesus from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in the heavenly places. Not just a little bit above Satan. It's a close contest, but in a pinch, Jesus would win. No, it's far above all principality and power. That's the power that you have on the inside of you. 
I have so many people come to me and they try and make themselves as pathetic and pitiful as they possibly can so that I'll have pity on them. And they just, oh, my situation is so bad. I hurt so much. I, and I'm, you know, some people get upset at me. I'm not, I'm not making fun of people. I'm not trying to do that. I'm trying to amplify how wrong that attitude is. But there are people that delight in being pitiful and letting everybody know how pitiful they are because they get sympathy and pity and they're searching for help. And they come and they said, would you please agree with me? And I tell them, no, I'm not going to agree with you because you are absolutely pitiful. <laughs> you are claiming that you have no power. I said, I have compassion for you, but I do not sit there and feel sorry for you when you have the same power on the inside of you that raised Christ from the dead. I'm not going to get into agreement with you and start thinking like you or nobody's going to help you. You need to come over to my way of thinking. You need to come and agree with me. I'm not going to agree with you. You need to start seeing that who you are in Christ and that you have all of this power. You have the same power that raised Christ from the dead. That's more than enough to heal your hangnail. That's more than enough for your cold, for your rheumatoid, arthritis, for whatever. Whatever you're facing is nothing compared to the power that it took to raise Jesus from the dead. And you've already got that power living on the inside of you. And I know that there's some people sitting right here saying, I don't have it. That's because you're only searching the physical realm. You don't feel it. You don't have a goosebump going up and down your spine. You can't feel it with your five senses. But I'm telling you, in your spirit, you have the same amount and quality of power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. You got raising from the dead power on the inside of you. Somebody says, well, if I got it, how come it's not doing anything? Because you don't know you've got it and you don't believe it. Your mind basically empowers whatever you think about. Even though, you have, even though you've been born again and you have this, if you don't renew your mind, it will never manifest in your physical body. Your body will experience what you think. And if you think on how sick you are and how poor you are and how depressed you are, then you just amplify all of these negatives in your life and they begin to start dominating and controlling you. But if you could start taking the Word of God and amplifying what the Word says about you in the Spirit and focusing on who you are. And pray this prayer. What a great prayer. All you got to do is just put your name in there instead of saying, I pray that you would get the eyes of your understanding enlightened. Say, Father, I'm praying that my eyes would be enlightened. I'm pray I've done this hundreds of times. I put my name in there. Father, I'm praying that Andrew Womack knows the exceeding greatness of your power. Paul prayed it. I'm in agreement. I'm praying, God, I receive this revelation. That's all you got to do. God wants you to know this more than you want to know it. And so just open yourself up and begin to pray this and start seeking it. And you can't get in the spirit realm and live there without the Word of God. Jesus said, John 6, 63, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. God's Word is spirit. You will default. It's your default setting to go carnal. You just by nature are carnal. You are going to look and go by what you feel and what you see. 
more than by what you believe if you don't put some effort into it. And the Word of God, John 6, 63, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. If you will take the Word of God and stick your nose in it and study it, it will start focusing you on what you have in Christ. It'll focus on you have the same power that raised Christ from the dead and it will change you from being carnal to being spiritual. The Word of God will focus you on things. You know, I recently went to Gettysburg and I saw some things and then I bought a book about Robert E. Lee and I read it and it was very interesting, but I was so disappointed in one sense because I'm used to reading the Bible. And in the Bible, you read these battles in the Old Testament and it tells you that God was the one that caused them to hear a sound like there were soldiers and so the whole Syrian army fled and left their tents and their food on the fire and... It tells you what was going on in the unseen realm. But when I was reading this book about Lee, it just would tell about how that he had the advantage. He should have won, and yet something would happen over here. And this person, the, the orders got messed up, and they didn't follow through, and somebody was late, and they were delayed getting there. And I was just thinking to myself, I wonder what was going on in the spirit realm. Was that God that caused this? Was it God that caused this message to not be delivered? Did this person do that? And, you know, when you just read a book, you're only getting the natural things. You can see what's happening, but you don't know what's going on in the unseen realm to, to do it. The Word of God shows you why things happen the way they happen in the natural realm. It's showing you what's going on in the spiritual realm. And I tell you, I just love the Bible because it gives you the spirit behind it. It, it brings you into the spirit realm. It lets you see things from God's perspective and not just a human perspective. Nothing else is like the Bible. No other movie, no other book, nothing else brings you into the spirit realms and shows you what's going on and why this happened and why people are the way that they are. I tell you, I don't know any other way to be in the spirit than to go through the Word of God. And there's a lot of people that are just, by default, going with the carnal. And they don't receive the blessings of God because they just aren't spiritual. They aren't renewing their mind. They are stuck in the physical realm. And the truth is that you've already got everything. You're begging God to give you and do what He's already done. If God could be confused, God would be confused. I could just see Jesus saying, they're asking me to heal them. Didn't I say somewhere in there? Let's see, where, I don't know, but someplace over there in Peter, didn't I say that by my stripes they were healed? Why are they asking me to do what I've already done? Oh God, would you bless me? Didn't I say that they're already blessed with all spiritual blessings? Oh God, prosper me. Didn't I say that I've already blessed them and I gave them power to get wealth? Everything you're asking for, God's Word says He's already done. And yet we spend all of this time asking God to do it instead of uh, receiving it, believing it, praising Him for it, and taking our authority and making things change. It's a totally different attitude. So that's what I'm going to minister on this week is talking about you've already got it. Amen. You've already got the power on the inside of you to raise Christ from the dead. If you believe that, you'd act different. You wouldn't come up to me and tell me how pitiful you are and how that God hadn't done anything. 
You might come up and say, I know God's done it. What's wrong with me? Well, I can help you there. I can help show you some things that you need to do and that you need to change your thinking. But man, when you have to, you want me to help you make God do something? That's where I have a disconnect with you. God's not your problem. He's already fixed everything. Father, we love you and we thank you for the Word of God. Thank you, Father, for these truths. I'm asking that just like this prayer that Paul prayed 2,000 years ago, Father, we're praying that You'd open up the eyes of our understanding, that You'd show us these things. We'd see the exceeding greatness of the power that You've placed on the inside of us, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And we're far above whatever problem it is that's come against us. Father, our power, greater is He that's in us than He that's in the world. We're infinitely greater than whatever problem we're dealing with. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit would take these truths and make them come alive to people. And that we would start fighting from a position of victory instead of fighting to get victory. Thank you, Jesus. And Father, we just agree and receive it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, I want to give you an opportunity to respond today. And there's, there's a lot of things that we could do, but it's time for you to go get your kids. It's amazing. We've got all of these restraints, constraints, but praise God for those people that are working with your kids. They don't want to be there all afternoon and night. Amen. So if you've got kids over there, go get your kids. But you know, if you aren't born again, or if you are born again, but don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you need to receive that. You know, I just read a thing on the internet. I've seen two or three things like this, but yesterday my nephew sent me something and I looked it up on the internet and it was uh, ABC's Nightline that did a report on speaking in tongues. And they had a medical doctor that has been researching this for years and he took this pastor and uh, did an MRI on his brain and had him sit there and start praying with his understanding. And so he was praying and asking for God to, you know, direct these doctors and the nurses and everything. And he was praying. And they did an MRI as he prayed. And the frontal lobe of your brain, which controls speech, was very active. It lit up in this MRI. And then they told him to start praying in tongues. So he started praying in tongues and that frontal lobe went inactive. And it bears out what the Word of God says, that when you are speaking in tongues, it's not your brain speaking. It says it's your spirit that is praying. And, you know, nightline is nightline. They didn't just come out and say, it's good, go for it. But they did say that, you know what, all of the science bears out exactly what the Bible has to say, that it's your spirit, man, praying. And this is so important. We don't know how to pray with our little peanut brain. You know, everything I've been saying today was about who you are in the Spirit. And you've got all of this in Spirit. It's in the Spirit that you're perfect. It's in the Spirit that you have the mind of Christ. It's in the Spirit that you have this raising from the dead power. How do you activate that? How do you get it out of your Spirit? 
Speaking in tongues is just like finding a light switch. And when you speak in tongues, boom, you turn it on and the Spirit starts gaining control and dominance. I tell you, if you don't speak in tongues, it's like charging hell with a water pistol. You need power. When you go to speaking in tongues, this power, this raising from the dead power starts coming through you. You need that. So if there's anybody here today who isn't born again, or if you are born again, but if you don't have this baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues, you need that. Is there anybody here who would say, that's me and I'd like to receive you? If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Let me pray for you. Anybody? Here's one over here. Anybody else? Here's another one. Anybody here? Here's another one. Praise God. We had, I think it was 45, somewhere around there, received the baptism of the Holy Spirit last night, four or five that were born again. But praise God, we don't want to miss anybody. You need this. You need this baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you raised your hand or if you were supposed to raise your hand but didn't do it, would you just get up out of your seat and come forward and we want to pray with you and help you to receive. Just come forward right now and let us pray with you and help you. Praise the Lord. Praise God. It's great. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Again, I say to those of you watching by the internet that you know what? You can receive this at home. You don't have to be here. The Lord provided this for every single one of us and all we've got to do is just reach out and receive it. And if you'll follow the instructions we're giving, you can receive. Also, if you'll call into our helpline, we have people at the phones right now. You can call and tell them that you prayed with me to receive the Holy Spirit. We'll give you a free book that will explain that and it'll help you to receive. Amen? Praise God. This is awesome. All right, before you can receive the Holy Spirit, you've got to be born again. You must be born again. Is there anybody up here who's not absolutely certain about whether or not you've already made Jesus your Lord? Here's one right here. Anybody else? I want to pray with you first and just make sure that Jesus has come into your life. Brother, how did you live so long without Jesus being your Lord? I bet it's been a rough, it's been a rough road, hasn't it? It wasn't easy at all. Man, God loves you, brother. He's going to change your life today. You're going to be a brand new man. Isn't that awesome? You ready? Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Is there anybody else that needs to pray first and make sure that Jesus is your personal Savior? Anyone else? Are all the rest of you sure? I'm not trying to talk you out of it. you just got to be sure. Amen. But what I'm going to do, I'm going to lead you in a real simple prayer. And it's not magic. It's not like you just say these words and instantly it happens. The Bible says you have to believe it in your heart. But I'm going to say the words similar to what you need to say. And if you will repeat it after me and mean it in your heart, then I believe you're going to become a brand new person and God Himself is going to come live on the inside of you. Is that a good deal? That's a good deal. Yes, sir. You believe that? Amen. Let's everybody say this so that he won't feel like we're just listening to him. Say, Father, Father I'm sorry for my sin. I believe Jesus died to forgive my sin. And I receive that forgiveness. 
Jesus, I make you my Lord. Jesus, I make you my Lord. I believe that you now live in me. I believe that you now live in me. I am saved. I am saved. I am forgiven. I am forgiven. Right now. Right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Do you mean that, brother? Yes, sir. Well, welcome to the family. Awesome. You just got changed on the inside. Isn't that awesome? I got a book I'm going to give you that will explain things to you. There's more happened to you than what you understand right now. But in the Spirit, you're identical to Jesus, just like I was talking about. Isn't that awesome? And now, every one of you is just like that in the Spirit. And the Bible says that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is what He created you for. So there's no way that God wouldn't give you the Holy Spirit. This is what He made you for. So we don't have to beg and plead and ask, will God do this? He wants to give you the Holy Spirit more than you want to receive Him. So all we're going to do is just open up the doors of this temple a little bit and welcome the Holy Spirit to come in. And I can promise you God's going to come in. And then I'd like to ask our prayer ministers to come up here. And these people are going to stand behind you and they're going to lay hands on you. Because in the Bible, it says when the apostles laid hands on people that the Holy Spirit was given. He was released into their life. So we're going to open up our hearts and ask the Holy Spirit to come. And then they're going to lay hands on you and release this power into your life. And then, after they lay hands on you, I want you to quit asking God to give you the Holy Spirit and take a step of faith and thank Him that He did it. Just believe that He did it because He promised that He would. He said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So He promised. You ask, He'll give. So we're going to ask. They're going to lay hands on. And then I want you to quit asking and start thanking God for giving you the Holy Spirit. And then we're going to start praying in tongues because the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 14, 17, that when you pray in tongues, you're giving thanks. So we're going to start thanking God for Him giving you the Holy Spirit by praying in tongues. And when we start praying in tongues, I want you to start praying in tongues with us. And I know some of you probably have questions like, how do you do it? What do you do? I've got a book that will explain it. I hadn't got time to explain everything right now. But if you're ready... You could speak in tongues right now. The number one thing that stops people, they think that the Holy Spirit's going to force you to talk. Take your mouth and make you talk. But the Bible says, Acts 2-4, that they spoke with tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance or the inspiration. God inspires it, but He doesn't make you speak in tongues. You have to talk and by faith believe that God is inspiring it. Very similar to what I taught today. Okay, so that's what we're going to do. You ready? Are you going to receive the Holy Spirit? Amen. Well, Father, I thank You that all of these now are born again. And Father, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we open up the doors of this temple and we welcome You, Holy Spirit, to come into every one of these lives. Take up Your dwelling place. Fill us with your power. We ask for it and receive it now in Jesus' name. We lay hands on you and say, Receive the Holy Spirit now in the name of Jesus. We loose His power and anointing. And Father, thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to indwell every one of these with your power and with your authority. We receive this gift of the Holy Spirit 
and believe that you're helping every single one now to pray in this language that comes from their spirit and not from their brain. Thank you, Father. Now, those of you who know how to pray in tongues, let's just worship the Lord. Just start speaking in tongues right now so that they won't feel like we're listening to them. And as we speak in tongues, you speak in tongues with us. That's it. Many of them are already speaking in tongues. Just start speaking. You can't talk in tongues with your mouth closed. You've got to open your mouth and talk. You've got to make sounds and believe that the Holy Spirit's inspiring it. If you don't know what to say, you can try and say what you hear the person behind you saying, but that's their tongue. Your tongue will be unique to you. You can't just copy another person, but it'll get you to talking. And once you start speaking, once you start making sounds, just continue to do it. Start speaking and don't worry about what it sounds like. When you start, it's kind of like a little baby. It may not be fluent, but boy, your parent, your heavenly father knows what you are saying. He is thrilled that you are talking to him out of your born again spirit, not out of your brain. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Just speak. You're bypassing your brain and you're missing all of the doubt and the unbelief and you're letting the Spirit man, take control. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let me have your attention here. Just a minute. I'm sorry to interrupt you. It seems like nearly everyone. I think there might have only been one or two that wasn't speaking in tongues. But you know, when I first asked for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I didn't speak in tongues because I was a Baptist and I'd been told that this was of the devil. And I was so fearful of it. I had so many questions. I just wouldn't let it happen. And it took me three and a half years to speak in tongues. I received the Holy Spirit when I first prayed, but I didn't speak in tongues. When I spoke in tongues, it was just like I got it all over again. So it is important that you speak in tongues. But I'm just wanting to assure you that the Lord promised... He would give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. So I believe you did receive, but you need to go ahead and speak in tongues. And I've got a book that I wrote. I don't think anybody had more problems speaking in tongues than I did. Man, I've had, I had quite a bit of problems. <laughs> well, no, you just, you've only been waiting a short time, praise God. No, I've been waiting four years. Well, no problem. So anyway, I wrote my answers that the Lord gave me in this book. And if you would, I'd like you to follow Robert right here. And he's going to give you a free book. And if you have questions, they'll answer your questions, minister to you any way they can. But this is Robert right here in the blue shirt with his Bible up in the air. Go with him. He'll give you a free book. It'll explain salvation and it'll help you. You're welcome, brother. Praise God. Isn't this awesome? Let's praise God for all of these. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Again, this morning, we're going to have our prayer ministers down here. I know that there's some of you that need prayer. And I would encourage you to take what I said this morning about that you've already got it. You've got this raising from the dead power. 
You know, let me give you, I know that we've gone a little bit long here, but just a real quick illustration. My sister who taught third grade, her students asked her one time about what's the point of laying on of hands because she taught them that you already had this same power on the inside. And you know, God gave her a real great illustration. She says it's like when your battery on your car dies. You got everything in that car to make it work, but you just don't have that spark to get it started. So what you do, you pull another car up and you put those jumper cables on and you bypass your dead battery and start the car off the other one. And so if your battery, your brain right here, hasn't yet released this power that's on the inside of you and therefore it can't get out into your body, come up here and let us lay our jumper cables on you, amen. We'll bypass your brain and we'll take the power that's on the inside of us and get to your body that way, amen. But this doesn't negate the fact that you have the same power that raised Christ from the dead. You just got a loose wire that's keeping it from being transmitted. Come down here and we'll lay hands on you and help you. Amen. So these are our prayer ministers. If any of you want prayer, uh, come forward and let us uh, lay hands on you and pray with you.